<laughs> okay, welcome to the Neil and Now podcast. Very exciting. We've got our first guest, which is, well, we're going to dive into it very, very soon. We are here to engage, to inspire, to put a smile on your face. I'm Niall Wilson. I'm Neil Wilson. I'm his son. I'm your dad. <laughs> and have I introduced him, dad? Well, I can introduce him if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Because, uh, you know, Niall and I are really excited about um, the guest we have on today. Now, the guest we have on today is a guy called Luke Sutton, who is Niall. I, I, can't, I don't know whether I use the right word or not. Are we using manager? Agent manager. Agent manager. Dance uh, partner. Dance partner. Dance partner. Yeah. Yeah. Brother, Gen- second dad, and Gen- just top friend. Absolutely. Gen- a general good... No, he's more than a good guy. He's a brilliant guy. And um, Luke has got uh, an amazing story to tell from the start of his career um, through to l- leaving... I won't say what the sport is. I'll give you the pleasure of saying how brilliant you were at that certain sport. Although there might be some of your colleagues listening that played the sport <laughs> with you that might dispute that when they hear this. When they think, oh, Luke's on, on a podcast. I've got to listen to that. Yeah, yeah, I just want to say it's, it's your content debut, isn't it? So you've been in, in the background of my career for the last three years, but the background of lots of professional athletes for, what, 10, 12 years? Yeah, 10 years. Well, I, I take pride in the fact that I've not been in anyone's content, but I just, I can't say no to now. So, <laughs> <laughs> just, so I'm here. Yeah. yeah, so it's my debut. How yeah. do you feel about that, brother? Well, about five minutes ago, you said I said I'm not nervous at all, and now I now I'm nervous. Just <laughs> <laughs> look on your faces. I'm not sure what's coming. That'll be fun. Let's do it. Well, well, I've got my book of questions here. There's some beauties in here. So, do you just want to go through your like general background, brother, to start off with? Oh, okay. Uh, I don't want to bore people too much. So I played professional cricket for uh, three clubs. Some I start, started at Somerset, then I went to Derbyshire, and I became club captain there. And then I went to Lancashire. I had another year at. Derbyshire as well and I played professional cricket for a, the best part of 17 18 years and um, yeah I'm, I mean I had a long career I, I look back now and kind of I can't actually believe I played for that long um, and I was I was a journeyman basically I didn't play full you know for the full England team but I, I played for some big clubs and big games and I loved cricket was my life and then um, and then that led me into to management um, and and you know, I gave me the best background really because I understood what sports people go through. Yeah, uh, and obviously I have my own story with that. But yeah, that's that's the top and bottom of it. Cool. So I, I don't know whether we should start with that story. I know we're going to talk a lot about us two, our relationship, what it's like to manage me, which I'm sure is an absolute nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an absolute nightmare yeah. to be your dad as well. Now there's like some <laughs> consistency here, isn't there? <laughs> I actually did the positioning of us is interesting here because it's like dad, son, manager, and I'm like second dad. This is like yeah, sums yeah. up. Sort of. dad I think really should be nervous. <laughs> exactly. I, know, um, I, th- I think it'd be quite nice to uh, just start with how we met Luke. Yeah. You know, you know, briefly, we don't, because. Yeah, it was a funny story, wasn't it? So, like, the way we came together was so strange, and the way it led to today of us being so close and working so close together. So, I actually had a different management company, a different manager, um, up until the Olympic Games. And then I came back from the Olympic Games and we met you and Gab at, the, at Leeds train station. And things with, with the other management companies just won't, just didn't feel right. We didn't have the greatest relationship. You know, things weren't moving forward. I think my expectations were higher than, you know, I'm in the game a little bit now and understand it. I realise 
that now you have Olympic success, it's not as easy to just have commercial success because there's so many GB athletes now that are coming home with medals. You know, there's, how many was it? 50, mm. 50 odd medalists in, at the Rio Olympics. So everyone's coming over fighting for sponsors, fighting for appearance fees. You know, you, you kind of, everyone's perception is you win Olympic medal and then you make a, sh- a shit ton of money, which is not the case. Um, so I, that was probably naivety on my expectations of how, how well I was going to do after winning Olympic medal, but things just didn't seem right. And then we met you two and then I worked closely for about eight months with Gab, who was Lewis's agent. Um, you were a big fan of Gab's. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you talked about him a lot, didn't you? Well, we, we had a we had a we had a relationship that was different to mine and yours, which was I felt like Gab was a lot younger. He was a lot more Oh that that hurts. Not in the past way. Is it time to leave? <laughs> but it was I don't want to say it's about the thing. it was more the, the, sometimes better looking. What, well yeah. yeah. Better body. Oh. You know he won't quite he won't better looking no, no. Probably best looking. We're back in the game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was more um which sometimes worked negatively, like a, a close friend down with kids, like he, he loved the night out, he, he, we rang just as pals more than like business, which, which we do now as well, we're very close friends, but in a way that's like, I feel more you're like a father figure and look after me and have my best interests, whereas other times, you know, with Gab, it was more like he was my brother and my pal, and if we wanted to go out and have a good time, he would pursue that and, it really quite he always put my training first but not the way that you did and it was it was just a different relationship and then circumstances turned out that I ended up having to work with you having to oh, wow. <laughs> I, was, I was absolutely devastated yeah. so <laughs> it's a, it a default it was a default yeah, there was literally no one else <laughs> left with no other options well, you, must have the you, you must have been through a tough time when that was all happening I don't know whether we yeah. can I can I just say one mm. thing um uh when Niall, Niall was having some success, I remember when Niall was really young, right, I had to go to work on a Monday morning and send a load of emails to a load of small contacts that I had and said, Niall's just had this amazing uh, performance, would you mm. like to put it on the radio or in the, you know, in the Yorkshire Post or whatever? And some would respond and some wouldn't, you know, so I, it, it was kind of me that was doing it. But then after the, um, I think it was when you won the gold medal at the European Championships, did you already have an agent then? I'm trying to think of the trigger point. Anyway, at the trigger point, I was talking to Baz. It was Baz, and he said, uh, I said, oh, that was brilliant. And I was doing amazingly well. And, and he, he said to me, you need to get him an agent. Right, it's just Dad. He said that to me, and I'm, I'm. Which is th- quite unusual for a coach, you know, to say that. Because often, it? yeah, often they'll, be, they'll, they'll almost be wary of an agent because they think it's, it can um, sort of interfere. And it can, you know. Yeah. I, I think a lot of agents get in the wrong place. Yeah, um, and it was unusual for me because I'm thinking, really, an agent, Niall Wilson. Why, you know, as the mm. from a from a father's perspective, I I'm thinking, well, I know he's good, but from what you know, what does an agent do? What do they bring? What does it add? And and Niall was working with somebody, but always always spoke about, you know, what Lewis was doing at the time, um, and he was working with Gab, and you you really liked Gab, didn't you? That that was I, I'm just trying to. Do the link here with with what I'm look because we met Luke and Gab in train station, didn't we? That was the first time we met Luke. A lot better looking. He said really long hair, didn't he? It was like it's a growing, bon, it's back. Yeah. Bon, bon Jovi. Oh, fairly short, look, mate. Oh wow! And then, <laughs> and then, can I just say as well because of the circumstances when uh, before you 
both start talking about the journey. Um, when Gab uh, left, you know, for the reasons that Gab left, we were really concerned, weren't we? We didn't know what was going to happen, and we, we, we had massive concern. And I've got to say, I was huge, because I'd be really interested in your take of this. It was a big shock to me when Niall said, well, Luke's going to look after me himself. Because, you know, because of your business, and mm. you've been very yeah. senior in the business that you run, which is an amazingly successful business for you to then say, I'm going to look after Niall Wilson. I, it, I, I stepped back a little bit and thought, wow. Do you know what? I, I remember I remember that time really clearly because and I remember when we, we also met at Leeds Station, just the just the three of us after um the circumstances had changed with Gab. And I remember travelling up and I'd I'd obviously followed a bit of Gab managing you from from a distance. Um and I always I I know the type of clients I work best with. Um, and they're ones I think can transcend the sport. If if what you were saying about Olympians coming back and expecting they've won a medal, expecting to win, is is exactly right. Um, and I work best with ath- athletes or personalities, athletes who I who can go beyond their sport. And I remember watching from a distance, thinking now I can do that, um, but I had to kind of leave it you know to do it and so when I came to meet you guys at Leeds Station I knew you had that in you um but I didn't know whether we I knew my style is very different to Gab's and and that kind of trying to be another father figure to you that's that's not by accident you know I I try and be that person because I felt like that's what you need um but I remember when we we were there I didn't know and it is all about chemistry I didn't know if we would have that chemistry it would work but I knew there was the potential there for, for us to be able to to do something you know special. Call it. I, I think it's special. But um, but then I remember coming away and still going. Yeah, I think we can. But you know, there's a lot to work through. Mm. But we we did. You know that we could. And I think that chemistry between us is because um, you know we we you in my opinion need that sort of father figure type of person at yeah. times um, but you also need someone to be able to go with your vision because you've got unbelievable vision of what you can do I mean mind-blowing vision and you kind of need someone to go not get overawed by that and, and go okay right the, Niles come up with a new idea rather than just get terrified by it go right how do we do it mm-hmm. you know and I could give you millions of examples where we went from 200 t-shirts to Fifty thousand pounds worth of t-shirts, you know, and uh, but but you know, I I I believe I I believe in you enormously. You know that I, I think um, you can do extraordinary things in and out of the gym, and um, but you need the people around you yeah. to have that belief in you and and be able and and the ability, I guess, to be able to go with it as well. Yeah, I think I've learned that so much, particularly these last few months, going through a challenging time with my mental health. It, it's it's crucial, it's critical for me, the people around me. And then I, I've noticed so much, with, you say it's been nearly three years we've been working? Yeah, I think two, so. Two yeah, years. yeah, yeah. Like, notice so much how much we are alike. Mm. And I, I, I sense that you probably see yourself a little bit in me. Mm. I don't know whether that's why we had, had a strong connection or that mm. chemistry from the offset. Um, but... With with you with Luke, my manager, it's it's more than that because for for you, exam for example, my father, you know, your parents are so emotionally invested in everything that you're doing to to every decision that you're making, and and like we talked about the, the challenging times, you know, as a parent, you just want to fix it. We you know talked about this in the last podcast. Whereas 
to, to ring someone like Luke when I need some guidance or some help is is so much easier for myself because there's no judgment, there's no there there is an emotional attachment attachment, but not like a parent, not like my dad, you know, you don't wanna instantly just fix it, you know, you can just listen and having knowing what personally knowing what you've been through and hopefully we'll talk about that. Um it's it's just we have that there and I, and I know that you're always there that you, you can just listen to me and not many people have those people in their lives um, no what I would say is it that for me the advantage is experience you know and um, because I've been in sport I was played for the best part of 20 years and and I've been in management for 10 years so I've seen a lot of in that time and, and people who've been uh, you know extremely high profile and and I've seen the best and the worst of it all and I think sometimes it's just as a parent it's your first time at it because you've only got your one child who's probably in that position whereas a manager I've been you know everyone's different and circumstances are different but I've been through it with not, not like your situation but 15 different people yeah. so I know what it feels like when someone comes back from the Olympics and, and has that nosedive in emotions or someone picks up an injury at the wrong time. And so I can almost be a little bit less... I am hugely emotionally attached to you, but I can be almost less emotional about it because I've sort of seen it before. Whereas so it's easier not to panic, if that, if that makes sense, because you've got the experience. It's very difficult for a parent because it's their first time and they and they want it to be right, whatever it might be. And... That's where I think as a manager, my role is as much about supporting Niall as it is about supporting the parents and the family and helping that whole dynamic. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd agree because, you know, what you're talking about, Niall, Luke hasn't just been a support to you, he's been a support to me and Sally as well. And a, you know, and a sounding board. I, I value Luke's opinion on anything that's happening in your life and, and our lives. So, you know, part part of the journey is we, we talk a lot, don't we? Mm, yeah, you know, and, and yeah. I... I have no idea about agent, athlete, or agent, celebrity, or his um, relationships with family other than the one that we're in, because I don't talk to anybody about it. But I know ours is a great one because we talk, you talk, we talk. Don't always get it right. Don't always agree with each other. But I, you know, I would have said, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, Luke and I, we're aligned, aren't we, on certain things, be it be it good or bad, and. Do you, I our, would sorry to interrupt. I but I would say uh, our relationship. Is, is extremely unusual. Really? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, and look at the things that we're doing. Yeah. You know, it, that's why um, it's extremely unusual to have that the level of... I, I'm close to all my clients, but the, what we do, you know, as a the collective of all of us is, is extremely unusual. So you don't see... When you see your phone and it says Niall's dad, you don't think, oh, God. <laughs> It's, it's not it's, it's not written in it's Niall's dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he sees Neil, oh god! Can, can I bet I you must you must feel that when you see my name sometimes, yeah. particularly particularly when obviously the, the rubbish. But that you touched upon um, being able to handle someone with crazy ambition. Like what what are the craziest phone calls you've had from me with my ideas? <laughs> but it's like uh, it's like a sort of. A steam train go it's like a train going at 100 miles an hour and and the, and the person just shouts out the window it's like hey luke i've got this idea that's, that's, <laughs> yes. that's it's like and i'm like oh shit i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna keep up with it then now rings me and say dad what do you think about this i'll say i think 
have you spoke to Luke about? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He's not, yeah, he thinks he's brilliant. I think, well, we just might have to have a yeah. chat. <laughs> no, but I love it though. I, d- I don't, I, I'm not saying it because I'm on the pot. I don't need to, you know, I wouldn't lie. I don't need to. I love it. I, I love actually getting lots of calls from you. I don't, I don't ever kind of go, oh God, here we go again. I don't. And, and I love you coming up with your new ideas. And um, and sometimes a bit I, I don't enjoy is when I have to be the one that kind of goes, Just calm uh, down yeah, bit. or have we thought about this? And because I know it's always, but the best thing is you, you do receive that pretty well. You don't, you know, yeah. get, get in a strop and kind of go, but, but I have to be that person. And, and I think as, as a manager, you, it, it's a, I love working with someone as creative and as ambitious as you are. And but I know I if I'm as you know if I have as many mad ideas as you, it, it will create chaos because it's like everyone going, oh, yeah. what what can we do now? Let's you know yeah. blow up a building or whatever. And it, you know I've got to be the sort of boring one, and but that's all right. I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was just uh, uh, was really interested, Luke, to ask you about general. Uh, you know, I don't know how to phrase the question, but agents in the industry, because people generally think, and I know it was the same uh, in gymnastics when we were growing up, you know, like they, they think agent is dodgy, going to rip you off, going to make a load of money out of your son or family or daughter or whatever. Do you, do you think generally in the industry that is still the case or is that changing? No, I think the perception of agents is, is generally pretty bad yeah. um i actually don't mind it really I, I don't like being called an agent myself i, I like being called a manager because yeah. I, I feel like an agent is does deals whereas a manager manages yeah. it's, a, it's a different dynamic um and i don't mind that cynicism towards the market actually because i would rather parents you know really think about it carefully and athletes really assess what what's going on and it's like any industry, there's good and bad, isn't there? There's good and bad lawyers, there's good and bad um, policemen, you know, whatever it might be, it, agents is the same. I, agents, in truth, do, especially in something like football, get the blame a lot for things when it's, in truth, not. Yeah. But you know the territory you're walking into and you know what you, you know, you know the pitfalls and, and what it's all about. I, I just think, for, for me personally, there... I get asked all the time about, yeah, I get, I get approached by people saying, look, would you manage me? And if I don't have the time, I'll say no. And I will recommend who I think is, is good for people. Um, and and those people are the people that care, you know, the people that are looking out for that livelihood and not kind of thinking about the short-term game, thinking about the long-term game. And if you believe in your, in your, in your client, in your athlete, I like truly believe in them, then you will believe in the long term and your motives for, for making decisions will be the right ones. Yeah. But if you're there for a quick buck and you don't really believe in your client, then there's, there's just a car crash waiting to happen. So what did, what, do you remember what you said to me when we was at the, um, the Herbalife event? We were having coffee and food. Oh, no. What did I say? The, the 10 years. Oh, yeah, that's right, 10 years. We're sticking to that, right? Do I need to well, explain that? <laughs> yeah, I think you should. I think that's a good... Yeah, so good well, I've always said to Niall that... Um, you know, because he's he, he's hundred miles an hour. And I've always said <laughs> that he needs to just keep his head down for ten years, and then in ten years, what did I say? You can buy buy a Ferrari or something like that. It's just like you can lift your head up and and then do what the hell you want. Yeah, but like, yeah, but you need me, to give, give me, me ten, 10 years. years. Yeah, which is pretty daunting to tell a like early twenties. Give me ten years. Although I think well, the more interesting is as he stopped to it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, mean, I mean he varies. You know. He, <laughs> The path winds. <laughs> yeah. like, Luke, can I buy a ring of books? Can I buy a penthouse in Leeds? It's like, oh, God. <laughs> Just, <a kink laughs> Just a one word what, answer. What about, the ten, no. what about the 10 years? Yeah, 10 years. Uh, but I do, like, I do think it's so 
beneficial for me to have someone like you saying that to me and then just little things that it's interesting the way we're set up financially and you know I, I try and keep a cap on my spending because for a 22 23 year old 21 to 23 year old to to ride that tidal wave particularly financially and income it was so easy to get lost and i've made so many mistakes like we talked about i got i got addicted to buying gucci rubbish and you know obviously got the flat but when you have that surge of money coming in i think having someone like you there to say it's the same thing just slow down just calm down you know think about the long-term vision you know your, your ambition and <laughs> the way we set up it's but i keep I think it's funny. It's a, it's funny because currently self at the minute we've got the business account and I almost pay myself a wage. And since we started doing that in 2019, I've rang Luke every single month. And Not every him, month. No, pretty you much every single month asking for more money. No, I, I do find it funny that you have to call me to ask me for money. <coughs> I, there's that. No, <laughs> I think that's, that's, I think that's brilliant because it might be all gone otherwise. Yeah, uh, well, that's what I mean. Know, like, yeah. I think the way I'm set up, it, it is forcing me to be more disciplined with yeah. my finances. I mean, I'll put, in, I'll put it in context for people because... I, actually your dynamic happens in cricket a lot but if someone plays for England at cricket their wages can times by 10 yeah. overnight overnight so you can you know you can do the maths on that yeah. but they can times by 10 and if you're in if you're a young man and suddenly your earnings times by 10 that's that's a whole new ball game you know what do you do with that money and um and temptation and life and you know suddenly that thing you never thought you could buy you can buy it and actually you could buy 10 of them yeah. and you, you could do this and you could do that and mm-hmm. then, you know that's what happened to you you're you've earned, you know without being crass you know you've earned a lot you're earning a lot of money and yeah. and 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 it but it jumped quickly that yeah. was the thing it went from moderate to suddenly a lot and you people need that kind of protection around them yeah i think yeah, it was. It is. It is, and it was challenging, and it still is. You know, because I think your your lifestyle shifts as well. You know, rewind ten months. I was living with my mum and dad. Um, you know, a lot of the cooking, the f- the food was done for me. I paid towards all that. I had a lot of things done for me. And then fast forward to today, I live in my own. I live in the city. There's temptation everywhere. You know, I'm I'm not the best chef. I'm not the best cook. Just the amount of money I spend on food every single day, just ordering sushi in or whatever and the lifestyle that is kind of transitioned to you kind of getting become accustomed to that lifestyle and it's now i don't really want to go back but you've got to keep yourself in check to you know because we've had it experience it fluctuates on it mm-hmm. particularly when you're in a game like youtube or business it's not a it's not a salary you know it's not a guaranteed income every single month so I have to, it's kind of matches the work ethic I have and my ambition. So I have to work, put in the work to achieve the success. And I think on the journey as well, I've, I've had, I'll be honest, I've had troubles with my gymnastics career running parallel because, you know, the difference, the effort reward level and cycle in gymnastics is so different. You know, you work your absolute ass off for six months. And the reward is the competition, the success. You know, hopefully you, you achieve what you want. You win a gold medal, blah, blah, blah. Then you go back to the gym, blood, sweat and tears for another six months. And it, it goes like that. With with the YouTube, with the business, it was just instant like gratification, like instant feel good because I'm, I'm getting numbers every day. I'm getting numbers on the screen. I'm getting followers. I'm getting views. I'm getting cash in the bank. I'm becoming famous. I'm getting recognised. So like, 
I'm not going to lie. I think it's an interesting point for people listening. It, it has been really difficult, me being on this journey and this tidal wave of, of growth and success outside of the gym to then still have the fuel and the motivation to do the six hours of and do the four hours of conditioning and, and make my hands bleed and put my muscles through hell and do all that because outside of the gym, it's just like, well, I enjoy this. I enjoy filming a vlog with my friends that's a laugh, getting a million views and, and earning three and a half thousand pounds. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, it was such a challenging dynamic, but then I think getting in check to, to take a step back, like you were saying to me, and remember why you're doing what you're doing, you know, and why you started in the first place and what makes you happy and what you love. Um, and, and that is gymnastics. That is the way it makes me feel when I compete, when I perform on the biggest stage. And I think because I've been out of that for so long, you kind of, you get caught up in, in other areas of life. But yeah, it's been, a, it's been a funny old journey, definitely. No, but you know, I think, um, uh, you, I, I think I might have said it to you on the first day that we met. No, we, we, we often talk about it. For me, the, everything for you, the most important thing is gymnastics. The mo- by, by a million miles, the most important thing is training, is competition, is, is gymnastics. And there's a few reasons for that. One of them I know is that when you fl- when you're flowing out of the gym and you're training and you're in a routine, you are at your best in everything, and that is YouTube, whatever it is. When because in essence you're a gymnast, and you, you know since you were four years old, it's it's in your DNA, so it has to flow from there out. If you lose that, as you know, we found with injury recently. The other things, they don't fulfill you in the same way, you know, for in your, without sounding too spiritual, kind of deep in your soul. They don't they don't they don't um, make you truly, truly happy because they are numbers and they are views and they're quite artificial. Whereas in the gym, in the gym, is there's something that is in you, in your, in your passion, in your love. And um, and actually, I think that when you when you whenever comes a time when you stop doing gymnastics, we will talk about that a lot because the the finding you know that kind of gratification or, or sense of purpose from out things outside is is difficult and that's why i've always said to you the mm-hmm. most important thing is gymnastics is performance because it's not just about the fact that i think commercially for you always it's you know win gold medals is the most important which is true it's also about you as a person i think when you're when you're dedicated to the gym and you're in that schedule you're at your best generally yeah yeah I yeah agree. that resonates with me oh, that, that's yeah. right throughout his life because, you know, you can go back to when I was doing his best gymnastics, he was best at school or best at what, you know, whatever else he was doing. I just, I would say, I, I do agree 100%, but I feel like my life has, has, has made a shift. So when I was, when you just say I was best at school when I was younger, say let's say when I'm 16 years old, I do feel like if everything was going well in the gym, I was happy. That, that what you just said. But I do feel like I've transitioned through a, a little bit of a shift, having gone through some of the mental health challenges in a way that, you know, maybe it has stemmed from me not being able to do gym, you know, the injury being the, the biggest thing. And But I, I do feel like I've made a slight transition to the, the opposite of when I'm happy in, the, in myself, I'm the best in the gym. And, you know, because my life is slightly different to when I was 15 years old and all I had was gymnastics and I came home and my mum cooked my tea and I played Call of Duty till one o'clock in the morning. I went to bed and went to school. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do, I do believe that now, like my, my health and my mental health 
comes first above anything, above gold medals, above million pound. Like, I, I, you know, because I've, I've gone through the, the challenging time I have now. Sometimes I think if I get to Tokyo and I win three gold medals, however, I hated the journey. Like, I'm, I'm miserable and, and I still am miserable and unhappy. I don't want it. That's, that's probably a big shock to people because because people say that they would give 40 years off their life to be the best. But having experienced what I, in my personal opinion, I would I, I would don't want any gold medal at the cost of my happiness. And I and, that, and that's a big statement. But And I also know that the gymnastics and the journey does make me happy. So that's like, it's a contradiction because yeah, I will go there and don't worry, I'm going to go to Tokyo and I want to do it. And I still, you know, work my absolute ass off. However, I just say that it, it, for me, I know so many athletes that are in the game and they hate what they do. They absolutely in gymnastics in particular, I see it. You know, like like you, you like you will have seen it. Yeah. And for my in my personal opinion, it's not worth it. The, the two the are intrinsically linked, aren't they? Gymnastics brings happiness. Happiness is gymnastics. There's yeah. that link. But I, I I agree with what you're saying more so now. I I think I think one of the key change. I think we're going to talk about it a little bit more maybe in another podcast. One of the key changes. Um, for you is your attitude towards what you've been doing versus what it might have been, and I and I am I'm in no way in a position to be able to talk about the challenges of mental health other than being with Niall. But when the when the when you start to go through the change, you just see this almost paradigm shift of attitude, happiness, health towards everything in life, don't you? Mm. But they they are what you were saying. They are the two are intrinsically linked. Your happiness and gymnastics. Yeah, definitely. And, I, and I, as your father, I, if you said to me, if, if I, because it's it's for for me in the whole life, it's never been about Olympics and medals. The stories we keep telling the stories. When Niall came out of the Olympics or came out of the under twelves British Championships, I always said, "Did you enjoy it? Are you having fun?" Because you because you measure the whole measurement of your kids when they're younger is happiness, smiling, isn't it? You take them to do something. It can be anything, gymnastics, cricket, ball. We used to have wacky warehouses and ball pools. I don't know if they still have them. Mm. You take them in, do they come out smiling and happy? So your whole measurement is against happiness. That's what you measure your kids. Because, and then if they're not happy, you change it, don't you? You try yeah, to you you, come up with a solution. But that's, you're not every parent's like that. You know, I know that yeah. would sound like a shocking statement, but... It's not, no, you know, no, that, well, and, and I think that that's an amazing way to be because, and I think the same, I think if you've got that long-term view, if you've got a long-term view, you, you want that person to be happy. You know, you want yeah. I, whatever success, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. But whether it be a parent, an agent, a coach going, listen, I want you to have four years of hell and then we, we might win an Olympic gold. And then after that, I don't really care because we've won our Olympic gold. That does happen. It does. It and, does uh, happen. And parents should be like, go. Yeah, parent, a lot yeah. Of parents should go. And, uh, because there might be a parent who's living their dreams through through their child. Yeah. And they're like, you know, uh, this gold medal's for me. And let's do four years of hell. And what, what's left at the end of it, who cares? And it's 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 not it's not the way to do well, it. Well, what I was going to say, well, just to finish what I was going to say, was uh, you can't, it, in, it is my opinion, and I know Sally's aligned to this, we as parents through your young ages, through to five, six, seven, whatever it is, and before you did gymnastics, we measure against happiness. Is our son happy? Is he well? We, we can't then suddenly at 16, 17 measure against, has he got Olympic gold? Yeah. Because that's just complete 
in my opinion, as a, as a father, it's complete nonsense. I love you unconditionally. I don't give a shit about how many medals and leotards are on there. If you're happy, that's the most important thing to me. Mm. And we, when, you know, we've been through a period where we've got medals and leotards up here, and he's not happy. Exactly. Very so, so I wouldn't say to him, no, do you want another gold medal? It's nonsense, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. I think it'd be quite nice transitioning smoothly into, let's chat about a little bit the issues that I've been through recently and kind of from your perspective, how we got through it, what it was like, how you felt. Um, do you want to just kind of yeah, shed, <laughs> shed your light to the, to the audience on, yeah. on what's been going on? Well, I think... Um, it was it was painful for everyone. It's been difficult for everyone. Um, the, the hardest uh, part of these sorts of situations is that it doesn't happen immediately at full maximum pain and difficulty for you. You weren't at your worst immediately on one day. It, it comes in slowly in time. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're in a place, everyone is in a place where we kind of like, how do we get here? And um, and that makes it really difficult to deal with because you you, you know you're kind of second guessing yourself the whole time like is, is how is Nile is he is he is he all right no he's better now no no he's not great you know and you go through that process for a long period of time and I think you know I looked in on you and I I I was really concerned and I, I remember you called me um, on your way down to Lillishaw one morning. I think it was a late, late morning. I can't remember exactly when it was, and I've 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 never heard you like that. Um, and you were just absolutely desperate um, and lost, and um, and you wanted help, and I I wanted to give you help. Um, and the hardest thing, and I'm, I mean, it's nothing compared to for Neil and Sally. The hardest thing is knowing that you 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 can't help entirely. Because you, you, I just want to put a massive hug around you and go, look, you're going to be all right here. And as much as you try, you, you deep down, you're like, I don't know. And um, and I'm someone who's been through it. I knew exactly what you, I knew all the emotions that you had. Yeah. Um, but I'd never heard you sound like that. And the, you know, I remember this is, the conversation. I remember. Yeah. And you, I, do you? Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember. But I remember putting the phone down, and I for about, I'm just thinking about it. I'd, but I. For thirty-five minutes straight, I just cried. Yeah, without being able to control it or like know what to do. But yeah, no, I, you... I remember. I felt like I was trembling in my voice and everything. I just, like you say, just desperate, just to, to to get out of this, whatever it was. You know what I mean? Just to get out of the pain. Yeah, and you, you, that was it. You were desperate, and actually, I don't know if I've told you this, but when as soon as I, you put the phone, we we stopped our call. I called um, Jill Davy, your physio and said i need to speak to the, the british gymnastics doctors now and uh that kind of set off a, a chain of events where you know and that lots of people were concerned at that time as well yeah and jill absolutely was the same and and as as were neil and sally and and that that hardest thing with mental health that you've it's explained so brilliantly is it's it's you, you can't put a plaster over it you know it's in, it's internal you can't see it it's very difficult to fix and um and but also trying to understand exactly what what you what is wrong with you or it was really difficult and um uh it was hard and and there was times when i didn't know if you were just losing your love of gymnastics or if you were just lost or if you whatever it was and and all of us all we ever wanted was just to, for you to be happy again. Can I can I just ask what, what was the and, and people listening might be thinking that what was the content of that call? Was, was that 
called to Luke to say, look, I'm losing it here and I'm really fed up. Or was, was it just like a normal call where you identified that he clearly wasn't right? Did you actually ring Luke up to, to actually call out, I am, I've got a problem? A bit of both. I think I, I right. rang you. I rang you just to talk chat about a few things. We've been talking we, we, a lot yeah, around that time. Yeah, yeah, but then it was like I think I I do remember because you just ask how I am, yeah. and I just said I'm not like I'm not good. Like I'm really not good. Did you remember I left the flat? So you you and Keith were doing the the. Um, the grass outside. Was that the day? That was really? the day. And then mum right. went, mum, oh, that me and mum yeah. went, we went to the doctor and I actually got some fairly good news from the surgeon and like, like six weeks post surgery and it was good, but it didn't matter to me. Like you'd have thought, I think I seen Jill as well that morning and everyone would have thought, well, the doc, the, the surgeon's told you that it's, it's on the mend and you're going to be okay. And like things were looking really good at, at that period in time. Like I felt no sense of relief or any buzz just from him telling me that my neck was all right. I was so deep in into whatever it was internally. And I came home and I was just sat in the flat and you were doing the thing. Yeah, Do you really? I remember I was just, yeah. I couldn't converse. I was just quiet. When you left, Keith said, what's up with him? Yeah. You know, so the, the two people that were here were recognising that you weren't. Yeah, and, and I just, like, I got in the car. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to be in bed, just away from life. And I, and I was driving the whole way down with like a, it's, it's strange talking about it again because I am so good right now. But even just talking and remembering, it, I've got like a little bit of me too like actually. anxiety. Yeah. That's like, because the brain doesn't know the difference between real and imagined now. Well, yeah, well, the chemicals. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just remember driving all the way down with it with just sheer internal pain, anxiety, like to a scale that I've never felt it not been able to explain it and I think I probably the, the phone call to Luke was a cry for help yeah and then you know we did actually I know you said you rang the doctor mm-hmm. we did talk about medication didn't we and, and and even at that I think that's what set me off emotionally because I didn't by the way to be honest I didn't end up taking any medication for my for mental health which I which is fine and um, either way but I remember when we had that conversation, because you said it's absolutely normal, you know, you talk, told me your story, you say you know a lot of people and, you know, it, it can be a, an avenue to explore. And I think that set me off because I felt so lost at that point, but then it was then a feeling of being, a feeling of like shame and guilt that I, Niall Wilson, with what I've done, what I've got, what I've achieved, may possibly be taking medication for anxiety and depression. Can I give you my view on that? Because I knew that and I knew when we've talked about this, that one of the hardest things for you throughout that period, and you you did it, you said it brilliantly on your Instagram um, not long ago, was you were the guy with all the answers and suddenly you did not have an answer for this. I knew, and I knew that. And I knew that you'd been faking it for a while. And, and what I was trying in that conversation was basically to say, you don't have to fake anymore. Just because, do you remember I said to you, when you go see the doctor tonight, tell him exactly how you feel. Tell him the worst of it. Tell the physio exactly how you feel. Don't hold anything back and just let it, because that shame and I know that feeling I have had exactly that feeling where you are like how have I got to this place I am meant to be this person there's nothing wrong 
you know, there shouldn't be anything wrong with me, but I feel, you know, like the world's going to end. And, and sometimes having somebody come along and say, it's all right, just let it go. Yeah. If it's medication, it's all right. You don't have to, it, it sort of opens the floodgates, you know, yeah. and then you started talking and, and you're, although we talked a lot about it, it's, it's actually talking also to the people who coaches and physios and people who, that, that you feel like you might get judgment from you not that any of them did but you know that you feel you might even that feeling of might get judgment is enough to hold someone back yeah. and then that isolation is just crippling and it's just a case of getting permission to say it's okay talk about it yeah and I think talking you're right you're damn right actually because that that week I had numerous conversations and then no it wasn't instantly okay afterwards but I did feel a sense of relief being able to speak to not just yourself you know and and I don't think I've not even really my mum and dad just knew that I wasn't right and not really I tried to converse with how I was feeling to mum and dad but I found it difficult at that period um but then I spoke to the doc I spoke to the, the physio like I think they were all concerned the message must have got back to everyone if you'd have if you'd have made a phone call I spoke to the psych I spoke to you know I, I had four or five conversations that were similar that was just like you said just just let it out man just tell them exactly just tell them everything the darkest of the dark and then I did feel relief you know and, and better from doing that over those next three over that three day period but I think and I, and I think I wouldn't for the audience listening or watching it's that is such a big thing and but I understand that not everyone has the support network that I do and someone like that and like you just said if there's an inkling of of thought that someone might judge you then you do keep it you you do keep it in yourself but for my advice and being sat here today having gone through everything and and that's just not just a three-day period it was it was three or four months the reality of it the, the biggest catalyst for me sitting here today is speaking. If I'd have kept it inside and tried, like, say, try to fake it, and, I, and I'm, I was uploading content, you know, not many people are on social media, but you put this mask on in life as well. You know, you, you, you wear a mask every day to the people that you love, pretending that everything's absolutely fine when it's not. And speaking about it has got me to, to sitting here filming the podcast, starting again, being waking up and smiling and jumping out of bed. Mm-hmm talking 100% and I think if if you're in a position where you know you need to talk just pick someone and talk <laughs> do you know what I mean it's just like the best thing you can do in my you opinion. know also like we I mean we were talking a lot through that time right. and yeah and, and we we didn't even with my experience of it I didn't know exactly what was wrong I didn't you know I remember and I was like I'm not sure you know this goes this needs to go beyond you know, it needs to go to doctor or whatever it might be. And, you know, if, if I, I'm not just saying this because Neil sat next to me, but for parents in that situation, it is unbelievably hard because they love you. You're their, you know, their blood and, and they want to fix you, but they don't know exactly what's wrong. And, and we were talking about it and, mm. you know, we didn't know, I couldn't help them with that. And it's like this total, uh, you know, you felt lost and, they kind of felt lost as well, didn't they? And just like, what's happening? What's happening to us? Yeah. Some Wednesday, and it's just it's just the hardest thing. I think mental health just 
it, it's like a little, you know, it's like a pebble in, in the in the pond and the ripples go out and it affects everyone. Well, like I said earlier, you know, when a younger measure against happiness and um, I, I'm going to I'm going to use the word mistake. So part of the mistakes Ali and I made is we we didn't measure against sadness. Yeah. So the opposite. What we measured against was uh, what we were seeing in the outcome of the sadness and his behavior. So we measured against behavior. So, you know, out. The, the outcome we came to is Niall's behaviour is not right. He's going out all the time. You know, I'm going to say this on the point. He's going out all the time. He's drinking. He's uh, So, um, you know, so we measure against that. So then we sit him down and say, why are you going out drinking all the time? Without, so so we're yeah. measuring against that instead of, you know, getting to the root cause of the problem. And the, and the real challenge for us was getting to the root cause of the problem because we felt, sh- you know, shut out. And it's not a criticism. It's because you didn't understand. You didn't, We all didn't understand. So when what I was I was reflecting back, you know that week you had a you went and spoke to all them people. Nala would ring me on the phone, literally, and you might not even remember. He would talk for forty minutes, and I would just listen. And I, and I, I thought, right, well, I'm just going to listen here. So so you tell me stories about you know what the psych had said, and he you know trying to understand what's going on. You know, he's talk about the caveman and all that mm. stuff, which I found fascinating. And you talk about something else, you talk about something else, talk about. So I just listen. And because I, I didn't, I, what I didn't want, A, I was trying to understand myself, B, I was trying to develop, didn't know what the right answers were. So, so kind of listening, you can't really get into trouble, can you? Because you're not uh, saying anything. And I think, right, if I just listen and, and, and then trying to pick things up and then he'd say, all right, I'll see you later. But, but as, a, as a parent in that point, when I, I was telling you the stuff, how were you, what were you thinking and how were you feeling? Because I, I still, I still felt an element of judgment when it was, when we was talking about things me. like, yeah, for things like depression, honestly. If, when I told you, I think yeah, that yeah. I think I'm out of depression. What initially? What did you think? Because I felt, obviously, my parents loved me, but I do feel like there was a bit of judgment, and I felt a little bit like you and you and me was ashamed, or like it wasn't real. Yeah. So, so I, I've, I, the, the answer to the answer is yes. I've used the word mistake. I made mistakes. Part of the mistake is judging. Judging when your your son says to you, "I think I've got depression," because you know I, I'm I'm a little bit older, got experience. I I I w- one of the challenges I had my experience of depression is when I worked at my old company, I led five hundred people. You know that across the world, and in in a given across segment of five hundred people, not to suggest this segment of people are a fair reflection of the whole world. There are people that are depressed. So out of five hundred at any one time, I might have. 15 to 20, you know, because of the numbers, 15 to 20 people that were off work with depression. And their team leaders were managing them through that process. But, the t- you know, the team leaders are not psychologists or doctors or people like that. All we can do is manage from a work perspective and try and support. But they don't understand it. You know, my management team don't understand it. I didn't understand it. And there is this, there is no doubt about it. I can't name the company, but there is a lot of cynicism and people are sceptical when someone says, I've got depression, so I'm going off work for six months for full play. So, so, I, so I come from a background of being cynical and sceptical about depression. And when you tell me you've got depression, I'll be honest, I, I go and say, Sally now thinks he's got depression. And, I, and I'm, I'm like this person, well, he ain't got depression. You know, I, that's what I say. I say, he ain't yeah. got depression. He's just a bit fed up. He's not, and that, and that's, what, that's what I was like as well, because I, I went through life with the same exact the same exact feeling towards, you know, I would tell stories, you know, within the family, my, in, do, do people say he'd have depression, he's been off work, he's, he's not, and I, and I was just like, 
I come from a background where it's it like not, you choose you choose your attitude. Exactly. Just just say to yourself, I'm gonna work harder and start taking action. So that's what background I, I was. Ex- I want I want directing you at that. To say I was I was annoyed with no, you. No, but you're dad. right too because you're right. Yeah, but but I've I, just told but I was, said you the truth. I mm. was the same with people. I, I like, have those conversations with people all the time, and then, and until people say to me, well, I you know I've, uh, I I used to have a brother-in-law who used to say it all the time to me. You know, it's, it, you know his his brother had mental health issues, and you know he'd say oh, it's not real, it's not. And I'd say, listen, until you experience it yourself you can you know i just hold back your judgment just right yeah. now and, and that's the hard thing because you can't see it. if someone breaks a leg you can see you can see the injury you beat with this you can't yeah. um so it's not unusual and and i, I base it is real <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know it's, no, it's, it's real isn't it it is, ve- it is very 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 real hard to explain hard to understand how you end up in a place like that but it is real and thousands and hundreds thousands of people experience it and I am one of those people and I'm proud to be able to sit here on a podcast to hopefully thousands thousands of people tell this story and inspire everyone that's going through a similar thing to help themselves and and you know and get out of what they're going through it seems like it might be a good point Luke because you've said a couple of times about you, you know your story um which I know you've shared with Niall and I I've never actually heard so it would be uh, really interesting to hear what that's all about. I'm all ears, Luke. <laughs> well, it, it, the whole story might take a bit longer than we have today, but who knows? But uh, I, I think in in short, I um, as a kid, I was good at sport. I went to a very good school for sport, and I was good at it. And I was really liked for it. I was popular because I was good at sport. And and then as soon as I left school, I went into professional cricket, and I became a leader within sport you know I, I was a captain um I was I was um uh, you know everything kind of that you would associate with being a captain and a, a leader within a sport I was just I, f- I felt like I was a strong figure I, I would um I'd kind of fight it out for the team and I was I, I felt like I was that dynamic um and I also had this persona which I, d- I developed this persona which I was really comfortable with with I kind of worked hard and played hard so I, I, I was literally, I'd play as hard off the field as I always work. And I, my intensity around both was was in equal measurement. So if, if I was had, you know, huge nights out, it would mean I'd work at the same level of intensity. And, and I, I used to joke with people that um, I'm a Libran, that that was my balance in life, you know, work hard, play hard. And that was my persona. And uh, that's what I believed kind of is how I operated. I, I felt like I had a method to life. Um and that just, as I went through my career, all of that just intensified. So my intensity to work and my intensity to playing hard just went up and up and up. And I, I had very key things that happened during my life that, that added to that. So um, I lost my fiance in a car crash when I was uh, in my late 20s and, and everything amplified from there. No question. It, she, she that, that tragedy didn't create the persona at all I was already there but it just amplified everything I was I was you know a young man and, and not able basically to cope with what happened then and I was I was captain of a club at that time and so I had a lot of eyes on me and, and I just I couldn't cope with it I didn't know how to handle it so I just went to what I knew which was this kind of work hard play hard lifestyle and as it developed and I'm kind of cutting months and years into a few sentences here 
my mental health just deteriorated rapidly and um and it's you know you'll you'll now I'll understand kind of the, the cycle a little bit now my behavior was deteriorating my mental health and my mental health was deteriorating my behavior and I was trapped in this persona of being a strong person you know a leader uh I was kind of that hold work hard play hard is something which your peers tend to admire you for don't they they like laugh at your massive yeah, when, night when you're a leader like that people tend to come to you and say a lot I've got all these things you need to help me with they don't come to you and say do you need any help exactly yeah and and so I, I suddenly and I, and like I said I'm breaking down years into sentences here I've, I suddenly found myself in an extremely dark place and um uh, not only now was my behavior becoming really really intense uh, around you know my playing was was it wasn't playing it was just full on self destruction um because i just hated myself i hated the fact that i f- was f- faking everything you know i felt like i was a total fraud a f- a frauding happiness frauding strength um, I wasn't what people thought I was. I was actually a desperately lonely, confused, lost person. And I, by this point, I'd, I'd become a father. I was married. I had responsibilities. And I, I, I felt like the, deep down, the truth is I could barely look after myself. And I, I used to look in the mirror and think, someday they'll all find out what you are really like. And, um, you know, when... Niall talking about talk, has talked about hating himself. I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. I've been there, and um, I, I, it was desperately, desperately lonely. I had a business up and running then. I was, you know, I was meant to be a company owner, and my mental health was so poor, and I, I had nowhere to go. I felt like I was trapped, and um, I actually find it quite difficult to talk about now. But uh, I just, I was trapped in this cycle of behaviour. And um, and I, I felt completely isolated and completely lonely, and I hit absolute rock bottom. Um, and uh, I, I didn't materially. I could have lost a lot more, you know, a lot more. But emotionally and um, I guess spiritually as a person, I was absolutely bankrupt. And, and nobody around you knew. Wife didn't know. No, or... yeah, they knew. They could see my behavior. You're right. Yeah, in the same way you you were looking yeah, at Niall's yeah. behavior, they could see it, and and everything that came with that. That you know, people go, he's, he's just being a prick. You know, he's mm. just he's, he's self indulgent. He's selfish. I was all of those things, but I but internally, I was I was lost. You know, I just. I didn't know what to do with myself other than I just wanted out. I wanted oblivion. I just wanted out. And, and people say, what do you want out from? I was I'd like, I, I want out from me. I need to be protected from me. I, I, I can't, I can't hold this together. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember this, it's going to sound really bizarre. I remember this night out. I had a riot towards the end of my career. It was the end of season dinner. And uh, I'd gone back to Derbyshire to play one more season. I was—I I should have retired three or four a, a years earlier. I was kind of holding on. End of season dinner, I went out in Derby and, and I was so drunk and I was kind of wandering around sort of looking for people to sort of give me happiness, you know? It was literally, it, it was that bizarre and bad. And, and obviously they weren't there because mm. it's in you. And I just would sit in a bar on my own, you know, and just kind of, and, th- and I was this leader, 
you know, that's what I was. So I'd get up in the morning and I'd think I've got to be that person and I've got to fake it and I've got to kind of get through and it just get worse and worse and worse. You know, and in the end, I went into a treatment centre. Were you doing a lot of drinking then, right? A lot, an awful lot, yeah. yeah. Did, were, you, were you alcoholic? Well, I, th- I think it's the... the I don't. I kind of get think people get wrapped up in those phrases a bit right. too much. I think I think I wasn't a successful drinker. It's a better way of putting it. And, I like that. And, I'm going to write that down. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> it's for number You know, like people say, people say, well, what? I don't, I'm now. I don't mind sharing. I'm drunk for nearly eight years now. And people say, well, why don't you have a drink? And they go, well, because when I have a drink, basically, I try and ruin my entire life. I make everyone else unhappy around me, and I become toxic. Any other questions? You know, and, <laughs> uh, you know, it's so. It, yeah, I, I'm not a successful drinker. Whatever, whatever, uh, you know, wants to to put that as it's up to them. Really, yeah. I, I don't know, but it was bad enough for me, you know. And um, uh, I needed a break from life. I needed life to stop, and I needed to stop pretending, and I needed to speak to people who understood, and I needed uh, that time out to rebuild who I was. And um, and now, honestly, I am. This is me. This is my what you've seen of me because you didn't yeah. know me then yeah. is me, my authentic self, you know, and I, I don't I I have to just as Niles going through. And that's why when you went through everything you went through, I knew I knew I knew what process you were going through. I know when you're doing your acting out, I know what it's about and I know I know to handle it with care because I needed that. I need not yeah. to handle it with judgment because I needed that. And um, it's the loneliest place in the world, you know, and and. Uh, after all of it um i'm actually grateful it all happened you know because i know now and it's and and i know i have peace and i have happiness and i have to i have to manage my own mental health still you know i have to still look after myself and sometimes you know what i'm like i can i can be a workaholic and Mm. i'll work from five in the morning till you know two o'clock in the morning if I do that too often suddenly I, I'm in a bit of a hole well the first message you get on the morning can be from Luke and the last one can be from Luke <laughs> one's at five one's but at two. I, I think that's an important point cause when you say it's, it is ongoing mm. that you know you've not drank alcohol for eight years that, that is your happiness today that action that decision is a process that is keeping you happy you know like I don't think you, it's the, I feel like it's the same with me I feel brilliant today but look, this is this things happened to me recently. I think you, I think you said to me, said it to me. It, it is a bit of an up and down journey. As long as it's going up, I do feel unbelievably so much better than I did. But I know for me, I might have a week good, and then it, the anxiety might just creep back in for maybe one or two days. And then, but I think it's about assessing what actions you're taking. You know, like things like mindfulness has helped me so much. But then I could just let that slip. And then I could have a night out on a weekend and then do a month, go Monday to Wednesday not doing anything. And then all of a sudden I've got a bit of thing. So I think with things like this, what I'm coming to understand and learn is that it's, it's not just an on and off switch. You know, I feel like with our personalities as well, we're so alike. It will be something that will be have to be managed for the rest of my life. I, I know that. Mm. And, so, I, and I think I'm the same as you. It was I'm all or nothing. Mm. And I am work hard play harder you know like my family knows me but I, I can't i can't go out and have three pints and go on like you know what i'm like but i'm the same with with vlogging and podcasting look where we're sat it's not it's it's all in you know it's like what if i can make a decision i'm going 100 percent. i want to be the best i'm going to work harder than anyone 
to to get there. But then it it's the same with the directions in your life, like the like for example alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like I feel exactly the same, and I think I'm grateful to now have the people around me that will not lead me to potentially the point that you've got to in your life where you had to go into a rehabilitation center. You know, like. So I just think that's an important message about it yeah, being ongoing. Well, can I ask about, yeah. can, just briefly, can I ask, uh, it might not do it justice briefly, what happens in a rehabilitation centre then? What went? Well, it, it depends on what you're going for and right. uh, what type of rehabilitation centre it is. I, I, you, you, the first thing they do is they assess what's what's up with you and, and um, uh, you know, and, and physically stop you doing the things you were doing right. so if you're if you're drinking non-stop they they, they detox, de- detox you and and do that and then what what i've learned and um is that for me alcohol is is the end bit it's the end bit of me or, or it, can, it can be alcohol it could be anything is the end bit of me wanting escape so i just want out i want out of pressure of life and you know everything going on in my head so it's the end point and actually it was my friend and then it became my enemy. So for me, not drinking, actually it's, I don't really concentrate on not drinking anymore. I concentrate on the, on the bit before it. So looking after myself mentally and looking after my life. So for me, it's really, really important, the people around me. So I have good relationships. I do things, especially in the work that I do, it can get very commercial and very like, come on, let's make another quid here, another quid here. And you know, you get that kind of real agent type of thing. Mm. I can't do that because I get into a mindset which then spirals me into a place which eventually will make me drink. Whereas actually I, I want to do work which I'm happy about, I'm proud about, I want to work with people that I, I love and I feel kind of nourishes me and um, and then I don't need to reach out and get that far. But but you're right, it's, it, when you have that gene, it's in you and it will come out in whatever way it does. And um, I think in, in athletes, the truth is it's, it's that gene is rife because, you know, what do you need to be a world-class athlete? You need to be self-obsessed. You need to be obsessed. You need to hyper-focus. You need to be ruthless. You need to um, think about something 24-7, you know. All of those characteristics make someone have the problems that we have, all yeah. of them. So in my way of, of, of helping myself has been to untangle some of those things and recognize when I am hyper-focusing on something, when I'm like, which is the great strength that we'll have, you know, like you go, I want to do a podcast like you did and we're in and we're off and, yeah, you know, yeah. suddenly and that and it's your greatest strength. But it's also the thing that if unless you find a way of un- unwinding it will make you go, I need a break from myself. And then that's then bang, yeah. and then there's the explosion the other well, way. It seems, you know, George Best, Paul Gascoigne, Paul Merson—they're football examples. But it, it seems very rife, doesn't it, in elite sport that people have end up with challenges. That's and, a really and fascinating, yeah. yeah. It's high profile as well, aren't they? Because it goes in all the news in the paper. Yeah, well, like, the, but I feel like that's a certain character that that's so common in sport for all the things that you've realised. But it is there is like a there's a huge. Um, circle of professional athletes that that are just amazing yeah but you don't hear they're kind of just they're they're in the middle and then you've got the footballers you explained tiger woods you know tiger woods yeah michael phelps like michael Michael, the greatest ever olympian he's he has literally talked exactly about what we're talking about yeah exactly the greatest ever olympian and i just feel like they're like i put myself (laughs) i put myself in that box of the 
the best of the best geniuses verging on psychopaths. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I feel like they're so close and it's a certain individual and I have the gene, you just call it the gene, the, the, the characteristics. The, but that what I've learned to realise that it, it's, it's not a negative. It's the reason that I am where I am today. Good at certain things. But yeah. it's about channeling it in the right areas and, and making sure they've got people around you and being self-aware enough to see how, where you are mentally, what decisions you're making and, and what kind of paths you go down. And it's crazy. Do you know what I'd add also is that, that I think it's it's harder. I, professional sport is a breeding ground for this, honestly. We'll be, I know it's a big shout, we'll be pumping out athletes with these problems like at an astonishing rate in the next 10 years. You watch. Um, and we, you know, the, the thing that worries me is we wait till it gets to Gaza's point to go, oh God, that's not gone very well. Yeah. But he was showing signs of that for years, yeah. for years, and no one really cared because it was funny, you know? Well, we, talk, we then, talked about it. Well, I've, been sh I've been showing signs of it my whole life. Like looking back, what was I like as a kid? But if you don't know yeah. what you're looking for, well, no, yeah, no of one's going to do of but, course. but think about it now. The thing that you've said is the, the best thing you ever did was talk about it. That, that's the best thing you ever did. Look, look at young... If you're a 16-year-old going into professional sport now, what do they do other than their sport the most? Social media. So they come off the field and they're straight into their phone. They don't talk to other people. I, I go into to uh, changing rooms now, dressing rooms, and, and I, after a game I look and every single guy is looking at their phone. Yeah. Now, yeah. If, what if you're one of the guys who's having those problems? And who do you talk to? Yeah. What, on WhatsApp or you, you know via likes on Instagram? Honestly, it, it that you, that isolationism is is you know how terrifying it is, and that's why pro sport will keep pumping them out because you, you're mixing that gene with that persona environment of being you know got to be strong and leader with now isolation of social media that didn't exist yeah, twenty so, years ago. So you got somebody that can be having these challenges sat in the dressing room thinking must put a picture on Instagram of my life being brilliant and get yeah, a load of likes. Exactly. The mask, exactly. yeah. And and I've got a thousand likes for it, so it's all good. Yeah. 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 And I think well I, I just to finish off on that point, I I think that's where I've amplified my my challenges because of the social media. Because it was it was the same. It was numbers. It was you know I won't get a thousand likes. I was getting a hundred thousand likes. I won't get in, you know, a thousand views. I was getting seventeen million, you know. And it was it was the whole the tidal wave of that, and then like you said, internally, you're then putting out content to to portray a perfect image of yourself. And I, I, I with social media, I don't think it's just athletes. You know, there's so yeah, many. True, I, I, yeah. think, I think, I think, I, I believe in it a lot. It's given me so much success. I think it's amazing used properly. But the majority of the world now, we're painting pictures to, to, to live the perfect life because we care about what other people think of us. And so many, you know, and I think particularly not just athletes, but young, young females in particular on Instagram with the way that that, that, the content female is transitioning with having the perfect body showing your bum showing your boobs you know and it's meant so many mental health issues will be amplified because of instagram i, I truly believe that 100 100 million percent this is where i've got you know you know you know i've got uh two kids 10 10 year old boy and a girl and i i don't know how many times i tell them a week about you know 
social media is not where you're going to find your happiness. Social media is brilliant. I love it. That, yeah, I'm on yeah. it on it all the time. But if that's where you're getting your affirmation in life, then you're going to get problems. Yeah. You know, go and take. Do you remember we used to talk about like when um, trying to find ways of you getting around things and you'd say, you know, I'm, I, I, I go for a walk with my mum or I'll go and, you know, do something like that. That That's the, the, the essence of it. If, if, if it's all about Instagram likes or whatever it might be, yeah. then you, it's trouble coming. And I think, yeah. I think so like just to finish off, and I used to talk about you going into rehab, like I felt like <laughs> my rehab was deleting it for a period of time and I, and I made that decision. I told you both I made that decision and it, it was so good for me just to, I made my, I was disciplined with myself to not go into the rat hole of spending so much time watching, looking, preparing, creating, just being present and then phoning people, seeing people, communicating with people. And that helped me so, so much that that was my rehab, you know, in, in a sense. And I wasn't in self-destruct mode, but I, I got up, I did a meditation, I made a phone call, I interacted with someone, I went to the gym, I was present with what I was doing, I was I was laughing, I was joking, I was sat, I was having conversations with people that, you know, at the gym with coaches that I wouldn't give the time of day to before, I sat and had a 30-minute conversation with, with two of the girl coaches, and it was good, and then I went home and I rang someone else, and then I made it apparent and was proactive in seeing my friends just to see them, not to go out and have a party, to see them. And yeah, like that was my rehab. And I think the more that people can do that is so powerful, definitely. Anyway, should we, should we lighten the mood a bit? Yeah, so well, I, well, what I thought I'd do is, seeing as you two kind of know each other so well, you've been together three years, you're second dad, glad I'm still in the position of first, although I it's debatable know, it's based on some of the things we've spoken about. <laughs> so you know each other well. I thought I'd do a um, put together a small quiz for you. Oh, right? wow. these, these, these questions are about each other, and they're very simple and very straightforward, and I'm sure it'll just be... It'll just <laughs> show... It'll be, very be easy. Yeah, be easy, yeah. Very easy. It'll just be complete clarification that you two are best buddies, that's all it is. Because you know the answers. Yeah, I know the answers, yeah. But you two, yeah. Will, you two will know the answers as well, won't you? Because oh, you know like... everything about each other, yeah? Okay. So right. very very simple and straightforward. Right, I'll st- I'll start with you, Luke. This okay. is a question about Niall. Right, how old is Niall? 23. Okay. Niall, how old is Luke? <laughs> Do you know what? He's going to get every single one wrong here. <laughs> he says you're, you're your second dad here, so yeah. you'll definitely know his age. How- 42. Ooh, boom, you got it. Is it right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 Okay. Right, question two. What is Niall's nickname at the gym? So, is it Nunu, is it Nige, or is it Ninja? Nige. Nige, correct. Well done. Who said Nunu was one of them. Joanna called me Nunu when I was a kid. It was mum called you Nunu. Nunu. Yeah. There's Hoover off Teletubbies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, now, so what is Luke's nickname in cricket? I... Is it A, the soldier, B, the emperor, or C, the duke? Is that what... Do you... <laughs> where have you got all these from? He sat there thinking, I didn't have a nickname. He, he, did have a, he did have a nickname. He was first-class cricketer for 12 years now, and he's going to have a nickname. The right? soldier Seven, that... Sorry, 17 years. <coughs> the soldier, <laughs> the soldier, the emperor, or the duke? Yeah. Think about this. Because uh, I'm helping you think about... Can I help him? No clues, no, no clues, okay. no clues. He should think know about you're his, this. You're his yeah. second dad. He's not going to know this. 
Yeah, but it's I want to. I want to. For some reason, I want to say the Duke. Okay. Your final answer. Not from. Not from your reaction. <laughs> Do you want to phone a friend? <laughs> Do you want to phone Moira? <laughs> Go on. What are right, you going the for? The Duke. The Duke. Correct. But, okay. Right. Why? Luke. So Luke. Oh, the Duke. Luke, Luke, Luke. The Duke. Duke yeah. oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know what a Duke is. What's a Duke? It's me. It's him. Okay. Question three. Luke, I'm nervous. What, what did Niall score to win the bronze medal at the Olympics? What was his score? Oh, um, there's no way you're getting this. Oh, uh, no, he's second dad. Fifteen point. Oh, oh. is that wrong? For, that's no, first, no. but you got yeah, it wrong. I went oh, because I, oh, I thought you were going to no, say because I know it's higher than because the scoring changed, didn't it? A little bit. It's, it's a bit higher. I'm going to say fifteen six. Oh. Good yeah, effort. Very good. Is that effort. close? Yeah, it's close. 15, was it 15-4-6-6? Six, six? I knew six, there were sixes involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, Niall, what is Luke's highest batting score in first-class cricket? Oh, wow. You're Considering he was a wicketkeeper, so he was probably... He's a wicketkeeper. Shit, shit at batting. Yeah, but, no, 11 no, first-class hundreds. <laughs> 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 you get 11 hundreds? I'm even going to say hundreds, are <laughs> You know he's definitely over 100 now, don't yeah. you? Yeah, 100 and... He keeps chucking all his personal yeah. stats in. I mean, he? I don't follow it very closely, but it was 11. <laughs> <laughs> 151. Oh, God! <laughs> eh? Was it actually? Are <laughs> 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 you joking, me? No I don't I know that. Yeah, no, Nigel over here is a massive... <laughs> Duke cricket fan. He is, yeah. he's following you all yeah. the time. Was it 151? Yeah, he's got yeah. four marks there, apparently. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, he surprised me. Question oh. four. What is Niall's middle name? Michael. What is Luke's middle name? I don't know. Can I yeah. guess? Guess. Luke Sutton. Luke. If he gets this right, he's flipping scared. <laughs> he's cheating. Yeah. Luke. What goes well, Luke Sutton? I want to say like John or James. David. David. Oh, but you were on the right line. You, weren't, you were going well there. Yeah. So, so fi final question. I haven't been keeping a score, so I don't know who's winning, but here we go for the final question. What is Niall's birthday? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, mate, I, know this. Get this, I mate. know it's this. I always It's my favourite number, though. I suppose I don't really. You, know, um, you don't really. <laughs> I don't really talk, so you want my favourite number. No. <laughs> hey, Luke, do you know what my favourite number is? <laughs> you spent an hour and a half talking about how much you love each other. Yeah, so, uh, oh man, I know this. Um, come on, come think on. about it. You can get it. No, you know the month. No, mate, we met. We met in the coffee oh. shop on my birthday. Do you remember? Yeah, but we've met in that coffee shop about a million <laughs> times. <so. laughs> probably met every day of the, of the year. I'm not going to get this. I, I want to say July, but I don't. I don't think it is. Um, oh mate, you can't say it. Come on. We well, see. Oh, look, it's January. January. Any January. any clue on the date? So you you were six months out. Twelfth. Ooh, near seventeenth. Right, now. Oh, so what sorry, what do you, what do you think your question is? When's Luke's birthday? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I remember him. I remember me. Remember you just throwing it out there like we were doing some business stuff, and he's like, "Oh, it's my birthday." That <laughs> <laughs> um, it was quite a bit ago. I want to say March. No, no. Oh, it's October. <laughs> 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 I think you've got about six months out. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got the October. You don't spend long spent sending each other birthday cards. October the twenty-first. Yeah, fourth. 
So <laughs> cards, cards, and presents will be well received. So there you have it. There's the Luke and Nile quiz where they were. Um, actually, you did you did better than I thought. Because three and three, three and three. But the questions were so simple. They clearly don't know each other's birthday, so there won't be a birthday party. But there, it's over it's to you. Because we don't party anymore. <laughs> it's over to you to shut this podcast down, which I have to say has been amazing. It's been, yeah, it's been incredibly emotional for me. Uh, it, when you were talking earlier, I, I. Uh, nearly lost it and same when you were talking Luke it's um, it's amazing um, to sit here and watch you two share uh, your stories in um, such detail and and overcoming the adversity and everything that you've been through is just, you know sat here listening it's just amazing amazing very emotional you've you know I think you're both very strong people I, I admire you both I love you both I your, your passion and drive and the way you can not let something beat you and come out the other side. It's just incredible. Incredible. Cheers, Dad. And thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Make sure you're subscribing, viewing, watching. We're on iTunes, Spotify. Is that right, Luke? Yeah, <laughs> every, YouTube. Everything. 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 We're everywhere because yeah, that will be manager. Have we got a sponsor yet? Uh, yes, to be uh, announced <laughs> when, when I found one. <laughs> uh, we have got a sponsor for this episode. It is NW Clothing. <laughs> NWclothing.co.uk. Get your merch. New drop coming August. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks so Bye. much for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.